HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. Hope everyone out there is doing Sean, well. Welcome and back enjoying to Snacky summer. Tunes. Make sure you know, I love any excuse to sit down for and chat others. with you, but I'm so excited nice to be, be kind. Chat about Garden Bar in Doylestown, PA. We are so excited back to, to welcome the show. Back. How are you, my Good, friend. lifelong oh, friend, I'm great. Sean Thanks. McGinnis. <clears> just thanks so much for having me. Uh, you may remember him as a musical guest. I know, I know. You're one of the few solo project Sean on the drums. You also might know him as the drummer for the legendary and a food part, piss gene. Um, and he's here which, to talk about you know, his new bar. Your passion for both. Doylestown, PA, that garden bar. That small, small pantheon puck. of people. We oh, talk man. about how he got started, um, well, his inspiration of uh, the small town life, and using Pennsylvania so products because, to stock you know, the, the bar. Last time, it's a really fun uh, and great I conversation. And you know we'll take any excuse to sit down and hang out with Sean. Philadelphia. And then we dig into the archives by the pandemic. duo performance from the Darcy's. A lot of blood, sweat, tears into from the shipping containers in Brooklyn. And... Hope you, have you know, a it's really Sunday tough to, to put so much listening. into work and then just get swallowed here up by something completely out of your control. Uh, yeah, that's something, man. Um, that, I, don't even, I don't even know what to say about that, actually. Um, we that place had it stacked against it from the beginning. Every path. Um, we had, like, weird road closures and we had... I remember crazy, crazy construction out front. Crazy construction. It was, like, even impossible to, like, walk up to the place. A new neighborhood. You know, the partnership was not a strong partnership. You know? And, you know, COVID then, team old stuff, and what else can you say? Shit happens sometimes, you know? Um, not, I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot about I learned a lot about that just in terms of, um, uh, man, like managing businesses at that level, I think are a lot mostly about like managing relationships. I don't know if I necessarily understood that before we started, as well as I understand that. that uh, I'm trying to look at our new project, new stuff in my life about like 
in the game plan making base relationships that don't happen on their own. Basically, a line item in life to compare relationships. It sounds weird to say out loud, but, out loud, but I don't know. I haven't found that to be the most intuitive thing. You know, sometimes you can take um, friendships can be different. So now, yeah, I mean, I think it's especially um, friendships and relationships. Now, Lunar Inn was a Philadelphia-based bar. We were living in Philly, and then uh, last year after going to It's like it's relationship. It's about 20 miles from Philadelphia. Um, and it's like there's no real, there's no real great direct route to get here. It's sort of like it's sort of windy. Um, like I don't know, very quickly becomes sort of some country roads. It's a suburb of Philadelphia. It's small and um, kind of got it's got a little bit of a small town feel to it. Um, we have a little downtown area, but there's definitely going to be like rural, 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 residential. Um, you know, there's a lot of farm, we live across the first farm, another whole farm on one side, and the third one on the other side. In love to the other is the fourth, so we're like, you know, um, not, I, you know, I'm trying to just find, like, figure out how to live here. We've been here about a year, and, um, I'm not from here, I don't know anybody really here. I family, like I've been and some family have discovered that maybe one or two friends could actually like, live here. Uh, met another person and I'm really sort of uh, trying to find uh, trying, to, trying to figure out where to put my feet on what ground to put my feet. Got like a very chaotic year and a half between restaurants moving and now in a new spot and opening up some sort of new ideas. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I, the question was what described Doylestown. It's like pretty. It's all right. Yeah, it's, it's, it could be better. Every place could be better. What's and, not? And you know, I think, but I think you, your situation is both obviously extremely personal, but not a hundred percent unique with people sure. in the food and drink industry who had a business and then it completely yeah uh, imploded, um, and then wound up moving to a much smaller town that didn't have the same you know, major city poll in your case, Philadelphia could, but could it be Chicago, anything and things like that. Um, right. But that doesn't mean you're not looking for a sense of community. And there was a place in Doylestown, uh, I believe Puck Live, mm-hmm. which was um, a live music venue. But, you know, for people who sort of say like small town, nothing happens, nothing goes on. That's not always the case. There's always a community. There's always um, people looking for stuff to do. I agree. I agree. I can't, I can't say that I feel like unique in that aspect too. I'm totally, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Just people to, mm. you know, in music in, in, growing up and when you learn to sort of like, when you, start, when you figure out the things to do that make you happy or feel good, like listening to hang out with friends and listening to music is sure. like still a part of my life. You know, I like to hang out with people and like, you know, swap tunes and like, you know, band practices are rife with that, but there are also other avenues of like, just, man, that's like the thing to do is sit around and listen to music, you know? Um, and so like, that's actually kind of, that's, that's the community that I look for. And, um, you know, I, where he, like, it was not necessarily even like a, like a planned thing to be here. Even we sort of, you know, it was sort of like a coming, there was a lot of sort of factors coming together that, and very, and also very cosmically, like, 
you know, we the place we live now is just became available and we, we sort of knew about it and we just sort of jumped to it. And like we searched, it was like a very, it seemed like it happened lightning fast in a matter of like months. Actually, we were talking about, we went from having a business to talking about moving out of our house and, and into a different place in a different, in different town even. And <clears throat> I'm trying to like, having not all that, what I'm, my point being is like that, uh, you know, sort of slamming yourself into a new situation and also trying to sort of feel around in the dark for like community and, and look for what, what is happening in, 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 in like a, in a, in a new, in a new place. Um, putting a little bar in the middle of town is a pretty good way to like, hmm. you know, f- f- um, meet people, I guess, and just see where, where, where people, you know, I started by hanging out at the record store and there's thankfully a record store here in town, Siren Records. Shout and, out. Yeah. And they, um, uh, they, uh, you know, I met my partner, my partner, Joe there and, and, uh, like just through the music community talking about like, that's what we did. We hung out, we I invited him over one night to hang out and, um, listen to music. And through that, we like came through that. We just sort of organically came up with this idea and it was sort of something that I had been thinking about, but when I said it out loud, he was sort of, he was the, he was there and, you know, like we just sort of fed off each other organically, it seemed. So, uh, you know, um, forget what the question was but uh no that is the question is just finding community in towns yeah. especially mm-hmm. with everyone's life who's been reshifted now yeah. also you know, a look, pandemic. like what are you doing yeah. how do you yeah. what people? are you doing yeah what do you do like what's yeah and you know it's there's a different i mean i will say you know i'm i'm trying to be as unjudgmental as i can and just try to be as open i i have some like you know instinctual judgment in me that i try to like Mm. look at and examine and like you know i am a little bit cynical too and i think that like i try to keep that but i but i also like will admit that and look at that and like trying to stay open to 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 to, to different and new things and be you know doyle's town is pretty close to philly but it's there's definitely the pace is, is way different and mm. what you know i think that like i can't speak to like the goals of people here but like you know, I felt I, in Philly, I felt like I had a community of people. We all sort of like had similar goals of like just either like very loosely like making things and putting things into the world. And like there, I know there are people like that here too. Um, and like, you know, it's just, but it is also just like a different pace. I don't just like instinct intuitively know where to like look for them. It's sort of like, sure. I sort of have felt a little bit like, you know, I have maybe just like with um, a little bit of like weathered age have been finally comfortable enough to sort of, it does feel very much like I'm just standing up and saying like, hello, we're doing this over here. Anybody wants to. Right, 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 right. right. You know, like that's what this sort of felt like. It felt like a very cosmic way of like everything kind of came together cosmically. It's like, well, I know how to bar environment is familiar. If it's outdoors, we can be safe from COVID. I've got a new friend who knows people here and you know, it it was very, it was like, like i'm still kind of laughing about it I'm like oh i can't actually believe that we're doing it now uh, so let's talk a little bit about the start of garden bar so you you mentioned that you met uh joe at siren records and you had had the experience of of working in a ton of great philly bars and having your own lunar inn um you know and it's easy to build a bar in a bigger town just because you're like well you know people will be here we're in a city um but also you know having gone through the ups and downs of owning your own business what made you want to, or what drew you back into this world? And what would, did you want to do differently, especially given the different pace, environment, community? Um, what were the aspects that you wanted to pull from all of your other experience in, in creating a new space? Well, I mean, it's a really 
familiar, it's a really familiar environment. I know how to, being in such, Doylestown does feel in a lot of ways really still unfamiliar to me. So I, just like instinctively, it's an environment that I had experience in mm. sort of together and creating. And I know, I know how to like, it feels like, it feels like, you know, home, home field or whatever for me to, to exist in that environment, to exist in like a little a bar and restaurant. And I'm good. I'm really good. I feel like I'm actually pretty strong in areas where I can just sort of rub elbows with people and bump into. Sure. People. You're, you're a man of the people. You've always been that very way. Friendly. <laughs> well, thank you're you very friendly. I think I'm, a, I, I thank you. I, I try to be friendly. Doesn't always work, but like same similar <laughs> environments like show environments or music environments where you're rubbing elbows with people and you're you're all you kind of are all gathering for common interests and you sort of can feel people out and um, you know see how 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 deep or how what other sort of interests you know you may share with other people. Um, it's like uh, that was really what what first was sort of like. Well, this is I know how to I know how to play in this arena, um, and then you know the other thing was meeting Joe who. Um, Joe Montone, who's my partner in all this, he does events around town and he's lived in Doylestown, you know, his, he's lived in Doylestown his entire life. And here's an observation that was told to me about Joe that is very true. Mm. You know, Doylestown is the kind of place where I think if you grew up here, um, a lot of people will go, well, you, you grew up here and you want to leave here. I think there are people that, of course, there are people that stay, but there are also a lot of people that, that will go to Doylestown is like a, you know, it's a suburb of a city. You move to Philadelphia or you move to New York or you move to, sure. you know, it's like there are opportunities like as any opportunist young person would want to be to do just to go leave home and find other things, you know? Uh, whereas like Joe, I think a lot of his peers, maybe even growing up here, probably left town. And I, Joe really has committed to, to actually on the opposite. He's committed to the, to the area. He knows that there's cool stuff that can happen here. And he knows like he has a good, he's got his finger on the pulse, so to speak of, um, there we go. what goes on another shout out to, um, what goes on around Doylestown and people have showed up for Joe so far mm. off, and people have really showed up for him. And he knows, like, he knows, I felt like it when we started hanging, we realized pretty quickly that like he is, um, while I'm very friendly and I think I'm a nice person. I think Joe people, Joe has some sort of like movie star magic to him where, you know, people just, he's like, and he's very, because he's so genuine too. I think he's a very genuine dude and uh, people just show up for him and he's, he, so we figured out pretty quickly that he knew the community and I sort of knew how to like, the final little piece was just knowing how to like, you know, cut the right key for the ignition and turn the thing on and, and um, uh, sort of make it go as an actual business. And we put our heads together and we, it, it, it's so far as working. Awesome. Well, listen, let's take a quick musical break. Okay, cool. Uh, what are we jamming? You know, let's jam to you. We'll, 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 put a, we'll put a song in from when you stopped by to play music for us a, a little bit while back. Um, so, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the opening of the Garden Bar and your partnership with Sacred Vice Brewing and, and your support of uh, Pennsylvania products as well. Uh, we have Sean McGinnis, Garden Bar, Doyle Sound PA here on Heritage Radio Network.
Hi, I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Time for Lunch podcast, and one way that Heritage Radio Network has impacted me is it has given me the opportunity to sit down and talk with hundreds of people from all over the world and different cultures, and it is always eye-opening the things that I learn and get to share on Heritage Radio Network. HRN is home to transformative exchanges about food. We hope our diverse lineup of shows opens your eyes educates, and empowers. Join us during our summer membership drive by donating and becoming a member. Members play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate to become a member today. Thank you for your support. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Uh so fun that we got to hear your track from your musical stop by on the show um as we talked to you about the garden bar which is popping up open this summer in doylston pa um and i thought that the the opening of it was really cool and how you actually got to open it legally and if you could talk me through a little bit of the process and the actual the pennsylvania um beer and licensing laws is a really unique and smart way to think about like how to do something and get it opening. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's actually, well, I mean, anybody with a, I don't know. We don't own. Hmm. I wonder which way to go with this. I we don't own any licensing. Our partners, we partner with a brewery called sacred vice who are friends of mine who are maybe the one only, maybe one of the few good things that came out of the lunar Inn experience was meeting these, uh, these guys, Matthew and Justin who have a small brewery called sacred vice in North Philly. And, um, you know, okay. So if you have a brewery loose, very loosely, if you have a, if you own a brewery brewing license in Pennsylvania, um, you have the ability to use a permit attached to that license on uh, a location somewhere else in the state of Pennsylvania. And you can serve your brewed beverages at that location for a day. Um, you can also, as part of a, as part of just the all-encompassing brewery license, you can serve not only the stuff that you make, but you can also serve stuff at the brewery that um, uh, is made in Pennsylvania. So we do. Mm. Um, we do a lot of we do a lot of like, um, which I think is actually you know a lot of people see that as like a limitation, um, and I, which I see is like actually a, a strength and a real like actually yeah. like a really cool like you know for lack of a better term we lean into that because there's just so much. I really feel like we live in a time where you can get anything you want to get. You can get mm -hmm. from anywhere in the world information or otherwise products or anything. If you really want something, you can find a way to get some like rare beer from, I don't know, Africa or like, um, sure, sure, you know, sure, sure. I'm like very like limited release thing or like, you know, like you can get all this, like you can and like in the and then you know in the arena where like every single thing is a possibility i'm no good i can't make i need limitations mm. so like where nothing gets highlighted because everything is like oh this is special because it's hard to get to or it's it's far flung but it, you can fling it to yourself man i don't even get that far i just shut down i can't make it i need to say like i need someone to say like just pick from this group of things not mm. you don't can't i can't choose from every single thing choice fatigue yeah for, yeah something like analysis for that's not that but whatever um, you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, yeah, so we have, you know, 
the other so we tried to so we tried to make it about like not only this of course our friends sacred vice who in a timely manner they're also now they're growing their brewery they have a small what i like to say they make an irresponsibly small amount of beer they have like a half barrel brew system where they run this like 10 seat bar 20 like 15 seat tap room in uh like a warehouse in north philly they run like just these two guys justin and matthew only them well they hired a brewer recently actually ruby he's a good dude too (laughs) um great guy actually so they've been running this irresponsibly small brewery like they just don't make enough like they make such a small amount of beer i can't even believe they're trying to share it with like a lot of people um but they have figured out how to do it like they have figured out how to run this like little without like what i'm the other part of that is like and I, I can't i can't believe they want to share it with other people without like going crazy making zero money and just like constantly working and brewing all of the time and not doing anything else they make it work i don't know how they do it i don't <laughs> even want to know um but you know they were nice we have a strong enough relationship and um with those guys that when this kind of like eureka moment earlier this year and then like in the, the end of the winter earlier, we we'll use it 2022 when Joe and I were sort of scheming, it was enough of like, I felt enough strong enough about the idea that I just like strolled into their brewery one day and said, listen, mm, here's I what got I got an idea. Here's what I think. What do you think about this? And I'm, you know, I will, I will say like, I'm still kind of like, unsure. like I know that those guys, we have a great relationship and I know that they believe in this super hard, but I'm sort of wondering if they, at the beginning they were like this, which is like never, this will never, Sean will never pull this off. But somehow we did, like we somehow we did. We managed to, like they were, they were at this time, it worked, it fit in with their timeline. They're expanding their brewery. They just closed this Amber Street tap room that they had temporarily while they pivot to like start brewing beer on their like now like, sure, high sure. powered, like you know, like, you know, like a real high powered like brew system. And um, uh, it worked out that, you know, we can sort of, we're, do, we're selling their beer while they're closed, which is like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, a great it's relationship. It's like a great communal relationship. Yeah. We can do what works for you on this way. It works for us in this way. And like, I'm just so grateful that they were at the end of the day down with it. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun, even like, you know, we had a, we had an awesome friendship beforehand, but like even getting to know them even more intimately through working on this project has just been like a really, it's like, it's great when you like, like the people you work with is like really incredible. And, uh, um, so far, so good. I mean, any, like any, there's like risk involved in any business, but like, you know, um, it's so far, it's been like, it's been pretty rewarding. And we also get to say that like, we have personal, like we have, we've done it. We set ourselves up in such a way that we like pretty much have personal relationships with everybody else that we deal with. We can like sort of reach into these, like Joe has been able to reach into his like Doylestown community pockets and through like other relationships of, that I've cultivated over years with like other brewers and like people in this industry. And my friend makes my friend, Eli makes this wine that we have in the um, back of a shoe warehouse in like right off of route one in North Philadelphia. Wait, Philadelphia wine. Yeah. Philadelphia wine. He makes Philadelphia wine with like local grapes. Like I had no idea. Yo, it's, it's like, it's serious. I think he's, he's the first person actually with a vintage, like a, I don't forget what the license is. He's the first person to make wine in Philadelphia. And sell like sell and make wine that he made in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, <laughs> right? Not that bathtub wine that we, yeah. we drink on the weekends. Right, right, right. Right. It's like when it's like now it's it's like good. It's like good low intervention. Like no ad, like additive. Free. He's like he's like I mean he is like he is in all ways like spiritual about it. He like he is so good at what he does, and he's like I think it's like a really special little thing, like a like not even little like a special like incredible thing that he does. Like he is just making 
wine in this like warehouse by himself and it's delicious you know we've got some other buddies like um there's i mean throw a rock now and you can find like an incredible brewery in america let alone pennsylvania pennsylvania has like sick german and dutch heritage roots and they all make all the you know like old world lagers and delicious beers like like beers and beverages and things like bars have been part of like the culture since like the beginning of time so it's sort of i mean i i don't necessarily look at it that way but like i'll I'll be like you know i think about i have to you have to at least consider that i think when you you know you sort of it's it's a nice little bow to wrap it all up in you know like well i mean i think you know you to go back what you said previously about you grow up in doylestown or you grow up in these small suburbs or even you grow up in in philadelphia and there's like the siren call of new york or other or california yeah and then with the reorganization of the world and everyone looking what's out there it's like there is great stuff at home there is great stuff and people just want to make stuff and then have a community and a place for people to to join and i feel in many ways like that's what the garden bar really represents is just this building of community saying like we're all here let's come together we'll provide the spot you provide the wares and let's let's um it's not even like let's make the best of it or let's make the best of this little bar it's like we're really proud of what we do and what we make and what we've built i i mean i i, I think all that's true i hope all that's true that's that's what you know that's what the intent at least is i mean it's it's you can only control these things so much and i only really want to control them so much i think at a certain point you kind of you you have to allow it to sort of you have to sort of allow it to like show you where it wants to go too. you know you can't like i'd be silly to think it would be silly for me to claim that i've thought of thought of every single little thing conceptually about this i've thought of like a lot of them and there are other things that you can't possibly anticipate or think about in like you know the life of something like this especially because i do look at it as like a little bit of a life of a thing it's like going to be a temporary thing it's like so what can we do it's going to go away at some point we're going to put it like we're going to pack it up and we're going to put it away and like that's both beautiful and like a little sad too but also because i'm having so much fun but also like what can we do in the in the lifespan of this thing to like to like um you know like use it i think it's we have a little bit of a we have it whether you like it or not when you do things like this it does our symptom of it is you do have a little bit of a platform and I think that you can use it in a responsible manner to like point to certain things in the community or feature certain like easily, very easily makers or, you know, even a little more like more challenging feature certain people in the community or like cool ideas in the community, at least be providing a space or like a fertile ground for like those ideas to at least come together and like smash up against each other and get, you know, opined upon. And, you know, I, also, it's just like a nice place to sit and have a beer. Yeah. Now, I know that your brain is always turning and the garden bar. Yeah, it's 80, you know, actually. Well, <laughs> no, but look, it's 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 a summer pop-up. And thankfully, you know, we, you know, that part of Philadelphia that, you know, it, it'll stay warm enough or at least like throw a scarf on and a nice cardigan and mm-hmm. you can sit outside and drink a little bit. But I know that winter is coming um and that you are still attached to puck live which is his music venue what are you thinking about for the future of it and you know obviously get your feet under you and with you and your partners we have so man yeah gosh so many thoughts you know constantly thinking about it there's like there's like there's so many like positive there's so many pros and 
and there's so many things. There's so many things to think about. It's like I haven't even I haven't almost even allowed. Like I do sometimes think about that, but I almost like curb myself from thinking about that because like I'm not even we're so close, but we're not even at the quite at the point yet with this little. Even though it's a little pop up, where I still haven't. I feel like it's like I haven't got. There's so much to hold on to in my head sometimes. Like it's tough to even like make room for. Hmm the creative, like how to be creative about the music venue. The music venue was like, the music venue was not part of the initial, at least from our part of when Joe and I were talking about our initial idea and bringing it to sacred vice, we never were like, and it would be sick to have a music venue. It was sort of like, it's always, the music venue part has always been the what if, what if, what if, and it makes total sense because both Joe and myself are into, we love beloved music. And like, it's again, it's another environment of people, um, Hey, you're close enough to Philly that people yeah. are going to come through. Maybe they want a second show somewhere. Or maybe you make it, you could just make it a thing that's just so, you know, yeah. you going to like music venue in a small town. It's difficult. It's difficult to make, it's difficult to make any of this work really. I mean, how like part of like, part of like part of this part of businesses and doing licensing stuff. And like all of it is like one big, like math problem at the end of the day, really. You're just trying to solve the equation. Like, will I possibly have any money left over that doesn't <laughs> go to somebody else at the end of this? Like, can I just put this way- in my pocket? Yeah. Is there- everyone. Exactly. Is there yeah. a way to do this? Like everything is a math problem. And sometimes like, you know, I think with like, with like any business, it's like, if you can solve that problem, you maybe, even if you think you've solved that problem, putting it into practice is not the same thing either. So like, you know, with the garden bar, it's like we got, it worked on paper. So then we started talking about it in real life. And then we sort of like, and then you make adjustments, you know, with the venue, the venues like, and it's still the, it's still hard enough as it is making adjustments and working on the fly and seeing things in real time. It's still hard enough to sort of squeeze feeling like you're squeezing every drop out of the fruit. And it also sucks to feel that way. It would love to, it would love to feel like be sweet to feel like everything was plentiful and there's plenty to go around and everybody could be, we could buy everything from everybody and sell it back to everybody else. But it's just like, it doesn't necessarily work all that fluidly. There's like kinks and all sorts of like insane problems that have to be worked out. And um, so to answer your question about the music venue, I haven't seen a way to make it work yet. I think that like, I would, I think that would be sick. I think would it be sweet to have a music venue in Doylestown? Yeah. I think that like, does it have to like, have I figured out how to make that happen? No. Is there a way to do it? I think there definitely is a way to do it. I just don't know the answer to it. Um, mm. Well, uh, if anyone's going to figure it out, I, I feel like it's going to be you. Maybe, maybe I think it's actually going to be Joe. I think Joe is the one who's got, he's more in touch with the, how to mm. like, I know how to put the schematic together for like a bar. If you're talking about like booze and buying booze at one cost and the market to sell booze at another cost, but the market to like have to sell, to sell like a music to somebody is different than selling like a shot of whiskey to somebody, you know, like selling a ticket, mm-hmm. like, like, and I, I'm like, and I'm not trying, I'm not just, there's no disillusionment here. Like I don't like, I've definitely played music and definitely have played and played, play like played in bands and played shows, but I'm not necessarily like the one making all that shit happen. Like, I'm just like a lot of the times I'm just like one of the other people showing up being like, you know, listen, I'll, I'll sit here and bang on this thing. Maybe I go a little deeper than that, but it's like, it's a little different. Even the playing in it at first is the, it might be easy to draw the connection. It's like, well, you play music. You should know how to operate a venue. It's like, no, I don't, I don't think that's true. 
It's a lot. It's a lot to operate. And there's also like you have to have people, you have to give people jobs and you have to be responsible when you give people jobs. It's people's livelihood. And that's a lot of responsibility. And, you know, we have people that work with us at the garden bar and we have, you know, two, three, three other people that work with us just on the ground at the garden bar right now. And, you know, even that is like, oof, there's a lot of people. And they have definitely, it's definitely have real lives with moving parts and families. And, you know, this is the very, like, this is where I go with these things. I get like, not to mention even like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have a music venue? It's like, well, you gotta have people in there that work and all this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like I go to these insane places with this stuff, but like, and you know, maybe that's one of the things that I find challenging is sometimes hard to look at it from like, just like an objective point of view. It's hard. It's like, you know, there's like worker Sean and there's also like listener Sean and there's, it's sometimes hard to just be listener Sean and like, you know, whether you're making a yeah. tune or business plan so yeah i don't know i think it would be sick it would be really cool it's like i don't know i don't know it was never part of the none of this was ever part of the plan it was never like oh finally doylestown we've made it it was like oh this looks like a good option right now and then you know it was never like well we're sort of like what if we just do this bar thing actually i said i wish i actually made a wish one night i said joe i wish someone would just give us a place to do our little bar thing and like two days later he called he's like you'll never guess what happened we got a spot. You got a spot. And I was like, you're kidding me. I was like, so it's not often that a wish comes true in your life. Like you wish for something. It's now, I've never had a wish in my life granted. So I probably like shouldn't fuck this up. So I don't know. Venue, I could probably, like I see, when I think about a music venue, I think of like a thousand ways I could just fuck it all up so hard. No, you know? no, no, no. Look, if, there's, if there's someone I know who's not going to fuck it up and, and build community, it's going to be you. Maybe I'm just um, maybe I'm just not on a very maybe I'm just not having a very optimistic afternoon or something. But you know, normally I'm more like, yeah, fucking be sick. Let's lean into it. I'm down. I'm down to. It. We talk about it all the time. Some days I'm like, hell yeah, this is exactly what we're going to do. And other days I feel like I have no idea what I'm going to do. But I don't well, know. if anyone's going to figure it out, I really do think it's you. Uh, Sean, I can't thank you enough for making the time to chat with us. If people want to follow Garden Bar, check it out, uh, see what you're serving, where can they go, where can they follow along? Uh, Garden Bar at Garden Bar Doylestown on Instagram. Garden Bar D-Town on Instagram. Nice. Um, you can, we, there's a couple of like, our inter- internet presence is very minimal. You can come, you can put, you know, the address. Um, you can put either Puck Live or you can put One Printer's Alley or you can put the Garden Bar Doylestown into your map application and it'll take you there. Come by and say hello. Well, congratulations. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. It feels very much like a, it very, it feels very much like sometimes like a senior project. Like it's like, oh, we're going to try this little business out, see if we can make it work. And uh, at the end of the summer, we'll analyze and see if we want to do it again. <laughs> well, I think you're doing a great job and I can't wait. I can't wait till uh, I'm back in Philly. I'm going to come by it. Man, hook me up, please. I'd love to buy you one. I would, lo- I would love, I would love to share uh, something in there. Just have a seat with you sometime. So please, please hit me up, man. Thanks again for also having interest in this and like taking time out of your day to talk to me about our little project. And I just, I appreciate our friendship so much, man. Same to you. Well, listen, we have another song from the archives and then live performance here on Heritage Radio Network.
touch The patterns change so much The patterns change so much So hard to follow You choose to Fly out into the air at night You were never meant to wander Far away from home Watching the passing time Everything is frozen You were never meant to wander Far away from home Watching the passing time Everything's frozen yeah. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Jason and Wes, welcome. How's it going? Thanks for having us. The Darcy's. My mom would be pumped. She's a big Pride and Prejudice fan. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, your record, Warring, 2013 nominated Juno Award, 2014 Longlist Polaris Music Prize, and you have had your gear stolen, been held at knife point, and almost died in a head-on car collision. All true facts. Oh, yeah. Those are all things about us. What was the... Yeah, these are all facts that I found. Uh, what <laughs> Two good, three bad. Those are all lies we put on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the knife point story? I'm going to just pick one. Yeah, well, that one was the most interesting because we, we were in um, soundcheck and this guy comes running into the bar and he says, you got to... He was like pretty, uh, relatively early on in there. What the city is this? In, in Ontario, okay. a city in Ontario. And, and, uh, and, you know, like the city's Canada, it's like a friendly place. Like yeah. you're not too, too worried. Um, every so often you worry about your gear, but not so much. This guy comes running into the bar and he's like, you got you to gotta get outside. There's a guy trying to hotwire your van. And we're like, oh. And so we come, Jason and I come running out, and there's this kid. He's probably like eight, 17 or 18, and he's in the van, and he's got this like massive, like a huge, like Bowie knife. knife, like a big like hunting a knife, blade, like a serrated tip, and, and like like, a sh- like little sheath things out of it. And he, so he, so he's in the van. He's trying to start the van. The van's got like because we were loading in essentially, so we didn't have. He had a lot. The gear was still in it and stuff, and. He was pinned between two cars, and then slowly, as it started to unfold, there was like other people that he was with had sort of dared him or something, and he got into the van, and then he was in way over his head. And so we tried to get the door open. And we sort of had this thought that he he's probably not going to like murder us, but he you know if he something was to happen, Small stick. he would get one of us, and the other one would get him out of the van, and we would deal with this. And we ended up sort of pinning, getting the door open, pinning him out, and he slipped through the other door, and he ran down this alleyway. Um, and somebody in the bar had called the police and he, he literally looking back at us to see if we were chasing him 
ran full tilt into a cop car coming the other way. So we like sign up a bunch of merch and send it to the jail. Yeah, we sent him a little form. care package to his his cell for yeah. the night. Did uh, did he ever get back in touch with you? Yeah, like this record changed my life. Like I'm not going to steal cars anymore. So like, no, we never got that. Okay. Huh. So if you're out there, yeah, call kiddo. me if you're listening. I'm listening. Yeah. We have your knife. Yeah, yeah. So we you do. Got... We still have the knife. It's it's oh, really? in the van forever. Yeah. Oh well, I'm in good protection. Right. Given your other poor poor luck moments. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so you guys have been f- a band for almost a decade, uh, mostly in Toronto, but a little bit all over Canada. How has the evolution of the Toronto music scene grown and changed in the, the last 10 years? It's kind of interesting because there was that era of broken social scene, which I kind of feel like is one of the Canadian indie bands to get a lot of international. Of course, and label mates. Or, yeah, and so they started. We, uh, by obligation, we have to talk about yeah, We have to talk about that. Okay, we've done that. We can move on. Uh, I just say you forgot it in people. Just, yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, yeah. I, now I got a dollar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ding. My but that was such a scene. That was such a you know uh, kind of like a cultural moment in Toronto, and all the all the different artists that were part of that group, you know, splintered off into their own projects, and it was kind of this big family. And, and then, then even like Feist and stuff like that, like it really grew really rapidly, and they pioneered like a style, like you know, like damn TV on the radio, like that was like a genre that was made, and I think that was really exciting for a time. And now it's Drake. It's just like hip-hop city drake has brought so many eyes to the city a lot of rappers it doesn't matter out. where we are in the world someone will be like do you know drake do you know drake oh, well, oh you did it didn't you? <laughs> but it's great because we have like a world-class city and like he brought a lot of eyes to it and like i like the idea that you know rappers come to toronto and like drake takes care of them and they do like the thing you know it, he really had that civic pride that really brought a lot yeah of it brings a lot of respect and you know just kind of credibility to the creative scene in the city because i don't think we really have just one genre anymore if genre even exists anymore it doesn't it doesn't but so there's like bands that are communities that sound completely different you know there could be like there's this kind of like new age r&b kind of thing happening in toronto and this jazz scene and the hip-hop scene and they're all kind of friends but if you look at like the billboard charts like the weekend justin bieber Drake, like it's just dominating it right now. So we're in a good place. It's pretty incredible. I'm dual citizen as oh. well. So, but my family's from from Montreal. So I grew up Montreal. Spent a little time in Toronto and hung out at the the Drake and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I knew periphery, but just the evolution of those the bands you mentioned and Drake, I feel also just gave the the credibility outward to an already vibrant music scene that, right. that existed. Yeah, it was there, but I think now you can be a, a artist from Toronto and some someone's ears might perk up. Whereas for a long time they were like, oh, you're like, why don't you move to LA? You have to move to LA or New York to make it. And now I think that you know people are staying there, and it's making sense for everyone. How has your music changed? And I know that this new record is a, is a bit of a departure from the the older sound. How has the city influenced you outside of your own personal influences? Have you reacted to it, or has it just been an evolution that would have happened with or without the Drake acknowledgement? Well, sort of ironically, the the record has this sort of escapist vibe, so it's almost about other cities and we went after a lot of like sort of cliche american americana sort of ideas and i think that largely we wanted to stay a canadian band a toronto band at it at the core but there's this thing and i think a lot of people in the u.s don't really understand is that the canadian music industry there's a lot of grant money and it's really it's really fostering but it's it's insular so it doesn't you don't grow you can be huge like there's bands in canada that play like like football stadium sized venues and then they go to buffalo which is like an hour and a half drive and they play to like 85 people what do you think even with the spread of the internet and access to music what do you think keeps it so contained well we have 
we have CanCon. It's called Can CanCon content. So it's like all the radio and music video stations, all that stuff, play a certain percentage of Canadian music. And I think that really helps. It's like 30%, like, right? Yeah, yeah, so it explodes Canadian bands in Canada because they they're always it's super visible for people in Canada and then so much competition in the, in the U S even with the internet, it's still, even if you have like 50 or hundred fans in every city in the U S it's not really anything. Whereas you can have, you know, 20,000 people come to your show in, in Toronto or something. And that's a huge divide. So I don't know exactly what keeps it there. There's just so much fostering and so much potential to stay in Canada. You get these great bands that just do so well there. And then, and what are a couple that are huge in Canada well, like, that, it's topical for for us, like the tragically hip or a big uh, Canadian right. band, um, and but they did. I mean, they crossed over somewhat. Kind not of, really. They're they're, not, they're like the legends of Canadian music. They're right. they're like your Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Or, okay. You know, like and, and people down here just don't haven't been exposed they know, like, to it a the couple same songs. way. Right. Yeah. Right. They might you know head by a century. They're, they're definitely not playing more than a thousand people, and definitely not playing anything south of the northern states, right? Because that's just a lot of people are crossing the border and stuff like that and um we're good friends with this band arkells that are becoming sort of the next big my dad is friends with the mom of that band oh, and they yeah. always like when the boys come to town they should be on the show but it's definitely my dad talks to yeah they're one of the guys in the band's mom yeah and and they're great and they're huge in canada they're playing like two or three nights at massey hall and it's big and then doing some shows over the border and it's like 200 people right and they're great bands, and Sam Roberts, and, it, and it's, it's kind of hard good. from our side to, to tell if it sounds Canadian. Like I kind of would like to do a little little listening test with people from from all over and say, like, does this sound Canadian to you, or is what it do you just? Think, well, you mentioned you want to at core remain a Toronto band. So well, like, what makes mean, a Toronto or Canadian band? What I meant by that was that I like the Drake's sort of civic pride. I like that he's still from Toronto. He's not trying to pretend that he's you know from New York or something like that. Right? He is. He's keeping that the references are there, and he's he's committed to the city and growing the city, which I really love. And that's all I really meant about being a Toronto band, because I don't want to sound like a Canadian band. And so we ended up making this record. I think sits outside of that sort of Canadiana sound, but I do think that is something that keeps bands in Canada. It's this, the references, the the metaphors, some of the stuff. Is and just, the influences too. I mean, I think we really tried to to diversify the things we we're listening to from different decades and different countries and you know different different you know influences and stuff but i think that some people kind of in that canadian scene are, are more insular in the things they listen to and the things they work on and so it kind of like feeds back into itself can we hear a song sure where are you gonna play first uh this is a song called miracle so it's one of the first songs we wrote kind of in our new batch of songs we you know we've been through a bunch of different changes in the last couple of years but uh we really wanted to kind of rework our sound and we didn't really know where to start but weirdly enough this song came out of like the first kind of push mm. and we followed it up with about a hundred other <laughs> demos and uh at the end of you know looking at the the mass of work it kind of became clear that the song was still on the stronger side so so we actually got worse at writing songs <clears throat> yeah but uh so this is the first song we put out towards the you know the new album just to say hello after being quiet for so long I'm at the edge of the sunset I'm looking in I'm not one for indecision I can hear my intuition Feels like time's in our hands But it's slipping through our fingers We don't need to be forgiven I'm not one for superstition I'm not one I'm not one To let go Oh, let go 
Suck our fears to the river, but they're floating to the surface. Be yourself and all your brilliance. Don't be one to ask permission. Don't be one. Don't be one to let go. Oh, let go. I put my money on a miracle tonight. It's gonna take us far away. I put my money on a moved from a quintet to a foursome to a duo and in November uh, 2014 I think you put out a really good statement that said musicians need to acclimate to the circumstances and realities of the genre they work in and the results they hope to achieve what as kind of a mission statement for setting your new record up where did that come from and how did the shift begin to move away from that insular sound you talked about to bring in these outside influences well, I think it's important, some people don't know about us, is that we started as a duo. Mm-hmm. Like, we were making records together or working at it since we were young, and then we sort of expanded and then realized that maybe we were obnoxious control, control freaks and didn't want to let anyone else help anyway. Um, but I think that that statement in that article that I wrote was slightly uh, hyperbolic in the sense of calling a shot a, a much ahead of actually having something that we planned on doing. And I think it was important to get us sort of in gear to work on something new and exciting to really force ourselves to push beyond the boundaries of our abilities. And in doing so, we just evaluated what we thought made great music, what made a great record, and what would push us and push our boundaries as writers and and creators and, and to try to write sort of these songs with a pop lean or whatever um, really took a lot out of us and it was a really different way of writing music than anything we'd ever done before and that's what was at the core of it was 
sure that there's the ability for much greater growth, uh, economically speaking, but also for us as writers, it was the only thing that was really natural in a way to push the boundaries. Because otherwise, we're just going to make the same record we did before. We'll get a Juno nomination and a Polaris nomination again, and it'll all be the same. And it was like, well, why are we not? And it's, it's not out of uh, insecurity or fear. It's out of excitement to just be something different and do something different. Do you feel... St- do you feel that it's still attached to the core identity of the band? Sometimes bands will put music out that are so far from it is that you same you know almost name it only right. uh, that's but just different genre, different feel. I mean, the concept of selling out also get, gets introduced for sure. Do you feel that it still sticks to the original identity of of the band while introducing something that is a, a huge departure? I think that that the irony being that this record, this style, the branding, the look is much more in tune with who Jason and I are as people than a lot of the records we put up before. And we sort of had this epiphany where we were up there on stage and going like, this is not that, like the shows were getting people really supportive and I I still am happy with those records, but we were up there going like, this isn't that fun. This is Mm -hmm. the energy that we're giving off and the sound that we're creating and the energy that the crowd is giving back. It's just sort of, it's not the place that I want to be. And when I'm up here and I want to see, people having a, a better time and I want to make any trouble. And I think that had we made like a country infused EDM record, then maybe somebody could have been like, you sold out. <laughs> yeah. I think that the, the whole concept of being a sellout in, involves like not being proud or, or really caring about the quality of your work, you know, only designing it for commercial success. And I think, you know, the, the reason it took us so long to kind of reformulate what we were working on and where we were coming from is because we wanted to do with the same attention to detail, the same, uh, you, you know, care for the quality in the song and in the production and then recording as we take, as we took on, on the other records, just with maybe more of a nod to, uh, at least playing with conventional song structure and playing with, you know, more open optimistic themes. And how are the old songs woven into the new sets? How do they play up against each other? I think some, some are more of a challenge for us to work in. And, uh, it's really a fun. couple others that, it's funny because the growth on this record and the singles alone, because the record's been out for about two weeks now, is crazy. So we, we were in Montreal two nights ago. crowd was amazing. The energy was so high. It's one of those shows that you just dream about because you get on stage and from the first second you start playing, everyone's into it. And about the fifth song we played, The River, which was like the big song off uh, our last record. And I would say 75% of the people in the room were like, what song is this? <laughs> Like, where did, what are you doing? Who, is this a cover? Like, I don't, what is this? And there was just this moment where you're like, whoa, like all of these people are brand new fans. Yeah. They'd, they'd heard this new record and this is what connected with them. So that's partially a challenge because you would think that those would be like the hits in the, in the set. People would be most excited about knowing a song that they know intimately or have had time with, but. And then um, someone will come, come up to you and be like, why didn't you play that song? Like, I've been, I've been a fan for years. Like, win, you owe right? it. And yeah. you're like, damn. There's no way. There's, yeah. But anyway, we've sort of massaged them. Some of the ones we're playing a little bit to make them work in the set. But uh, I mean, it's only been, Centerfold's only been out for two weeks. Right. So you, but we're, you, we're you definitely guilty of that thing where, you know, a band's like, we're going to play a couple new ones. Ooh. And the crowd, you know, for a couple of shows right before the record came out, you know, the crowd's like, okay, well, this is interesting, but we don't know these songs. And, you know, I would say maybe 60% of the enjoyment you can get from going to a show is kind of being familiar with the material. So, yeah, we were like, okay, we'll just, you know, but it's hold flipped. on, we're going to do this. But flip so quickly. Yeah, the second the record came out, like, we just noticed a shift. And it's wild. Like, people, you know, sing along every word to, like, even deeper cuts on the record. I have like, no idea how people learn. I don't even know the lyrics. <laughs> I wrote the lyrics. I don't even know them. 
And like they know everything. It's crazy. Can we hear another song? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna? Is this an old one? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a cover. This is it's the oldest cover. song. It's a cover no. of one of our old songs. Uh, this song is called San Diego, 1988, and uh, I feel like in a way it kind of encapsulates the spirit of uh, a lot of the things that we were going after on this record. And uh, we also did like a fun, kind of quirky little lyric video performance thing uh, that kind of came out of nowhere and has made. Uh, it's it's been a conversation piece, so it's really helped grow my personal celebrity. Yeah, quite a bit. Wes's mustache being a you know a major player, a character in this whole saga. It's only San Diego, 1988, and we could go all the way down to Mexico. We could go, I could drive the night through Follow the interstate There's no reason to wait No reason to wait I know, I know It's the middle of the night I know, I know That the time So we can get away. So we can get away. 
of the projects you guys work on that I also think is really interesting is your support of the public school music programs. How did you get involved in that, or how and how long have you been working in that area? It was one of those, one of the other. So I, when I wrote that Huffington Post article that we were just talking about, another thing when I was writing for them was I put out put it out there that we would come sort of in protest or helping encourage these students to speak their mind if they wanted to keep music education alive in Ontario schools because there was a lot of uh, talk about cutting the funding. And I said, we'll come and play if you know you can get your teacher or your principal in touch with our manager and we'll come do a free show thinking we'll play like four shows or something right like because I, I didn't not that i didn't have faith in in the kids but i didn't know that they would mobilize as, as well as they did and so we ended up playing a lot of shows and it was really really great like the, and also um i was really we do these we'd play like four or five songs and then we would do these interviews they're sort of like q a sessions and they were so smart and so interested and had such great ideas and i think it really helped like there's a lot of uh, chatter about it and and people definitely were talking about you know losing their programs and we were getting you know so many great um people involved and in helping out and a lot of the press and in especially in ontario were really chipping in to help make more of uh an impact and people taking away this because that was a big thing for us growing up being in music in school and being able to play especially if you don't have money and you don't have access to an instrument it's the only way you can learn so it was really important to us something we were really into um, and I was just like blown away by how welcoming everyone was with it. What were some of the, or what was one question from the kids that totally turned you on your head? Like why there was only white girls in our music videos, like and things like that. Like just like more farther, you know, when you think they'd be like, what's like uh, being on tour like? <laughs> but they were like really introspective questions about about trying to make it as an artist or yeah, like diversity in the the image that you're presenting as a band or as a brand and. And I, I was really taken back. I thought they were really great, and, and they, they were really um, interesting. And also, in the end, you end up um, with a lot of you know fans and, and kids that you still hear from every so often. We'll get a message. They're so great. And it's really interesting too to like travel to all these different communities to see because you'd think that it was kind of level playing field with the public school system and the way music programs exist in some schools, but other schools would have nothing or just like a totally different thing. And so the you know the students in certain situations would never seen a drum kit before live and they would just look, want to be like can i touch it like can i look at it and you go to an art school where there's kind of closer to a wealthier neighborhood and the kids want to know what recording software you use and so it's like the the difference in, in perspective that these different groups had was you know really enlightening to us to know that you know it not 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 only should we save it for the you know the big school programs but maybe try to insert it in places where they don't have any access to and i think they were also which i found most interesting was that they were hyper aware of the antiquated programming of music education <laughs> and how learning a song from 50 years ago for a big band isn't maybe something that's engaging kids and and if they want to be djs or producers or mixers or whatever they want to do there's really simple and easy ways to get that software and, and teach it to kids beyond and you can even have a class where people want to play and people want to produce and they can very easily record each other and make sense of the whole thing and so we came up and the kids and whoever else had a lot of great ideas about how to make it work so it was a really re rewarding thing and it made me feel a little bit better about the future did any of those kids form bands and send you their demos definitely and we definitely got a lot of demos like even the days of the shows we should roll up and they'd be you know there. and these days people come up to a show and they'll be like you played my high school like four years ago and you're yeah. like, wow, you're in second year university <laughs> wow <laughs> like 
Well, I want to make sure we get time for one more song. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thank you, uh, for having you guys us. are headed back to Toronto tonight. Like immediately. And, we've, and, we've got some recording to do before our next couple shows, yeah. so we've got to get that done. Uh, well, the new record is out, Centerfold. Get it everywhere. But where can people um, find tour dates, get in touch with you, send you their demos? Yeah, right. Anyone <laughs> that wants to send us our demo. i got to get like an email of somebody I don't like, and I can spout that all the time. Uh, thedarcys.ca is our website, and then we're all over Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. So we're easily findable and demo-sendable. Okay. Uh, well, thanks to Lee for coming out from Achilles Hill. Please make sure to check out the next time Hell Chicken is happening. And please make sure to vote for Snacky Tunes uh, for our best radio and best podcast, bit.do backslash stvote. What song are you going to take us out with? Uh, this song is called Arizona Highway, and we actually just shot a video for it on a desert highway in a different state. <laughs> don't, don't tell anyone. Oh, we won't tell so anyone. there's a little uh, background information there. But yeah, we had this uh, amazing opportunity to go down and uh, pick up this beautiful 1979 muscled out El Camino and drive it out into the desert and uh, tool around for a couple of days. And it's just kind of funny to us because, you know, being from Toronto, writing this escapist record about hitting Route 66 and driving out to the coast and, you know, winding your hair and whatnot is like us imagining something that we could do in cold winter Canada. And then writing these songs, we ended up recording in Los Angeles, New Zealand, warm, nice, tropical places. And then all of a sudden we're out in the desert in the old car doing the thing that we were writing the song about in the first place. It's kind of a interesting way in which, you know, the, the creative side has kind of folded back in and actually become a reality. So Perfect. Well, yeah. thanks for coming on. Thank thanks, you. everyone. And we'll be back next week with it. Oh, actually, we won't be back next week. It's Thanksgiving. We'll be back in two weeks. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Take it away.
Tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org/slash subscribe.